0: to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Blows over the middle, wide open across the five. He's in. Touchdown, Houston. Fires underneath. This is intercepted. Back to back possessions with picks for this Texans defense. Takeaway number 3 on the day.
1: Game day is every day. 5 nights a week the hits keep on coming. <laughs> now it's Texans all access.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. so glad to be with you. Yes, on this wonderful Wednesday evening, a sultry, uh, smarmy, high, humid Wednesday evening. It's always hot where I'm at. I am. I'm always sweating. <laughs> it's or so, so it seems, even if I'm inside. That said. Welcome in. Appreciate you being here. Jam packed show. Mark and I, we got a lot of things to talk about, in particular Nick Chubb's decision that may have cost the Browns a game. We'll debate that a little bit later on. Actually, we don't debate that. We're, we're kind of on the same side of that, but we'll just discuss what happened and how the Browns went from being a sure 2 0 to being 1 and 1, which we love. Um, like I said, two favorite teams Texans and whoever plays the Browns. We got Rasheem Green coming for a deep slant interview of the week with D.P. Sidhu, so we got that to look forward to. Jeff Joniak is one of the better play-by-play men in the league. He is a absolute joy to be around. I got a chance to meet him at the Combine back in 2020 and loved him. He is fantastic. He will join us for our men behind the mics. We got a little in the lab, and then we'll go around the NFL. But we kick off today's show on a Wednesday, as we typically do, with one Nick Casario,
0: GM of your Houston Texans. Let's dive right in with Nick. All right, two games played, Nick, and defensively, definitely good low point totals for the opponents. I know you weren't able to close out these games, but fourth quarter leads. Tell us your thoughts through two.
3: Yeah, we're close, just haven't been able to finish, like you mentioned. Um, some areas we've played a little bit better than others. Uh, there's certainly been some positives. I think overall as a team, you know, we just have to execute in the fourth quarter. Um, take advantage of the opportunities when we get them. Um, defensively, played good in the red area. Played good, pretty good on third down here over the first two weeks. May able to take the ball away. To make some adjustments or some improvements in a running game uh, would certainly be a challenge this week with Chicago's running attack and Montgomery specifically. And offensively, just trying to find a way to you know move the ball and score points. And ultimately, that's what offensive football is about—just trying to figure out a way to do that. So try to get to work this week and see if we make some improvements and see if we make some progress against a a pretty good Bears team that probably not a lot of people know about but they've got a lot of good players so certainly a challenge in front of us.
2: Nick we'll get to the Bears in a little bit Uh, your thoughts about the young guys in the secondary in particular Derek going up against Cortland Sutton for a lot Mm -hmm. of that game on Sunday and I don't think people really truly understand how good a receiver
3: Cortland Sutton is and what
2: a test that was for Derek what'd you think when you went back and watched the film?
3: Yeah playing corner in the NFL it's it's Probably one of the most difficult yeah. jobs. So there's a lot of good players on the offensive side of the ball. I and mean, we saw you know watch the games last night. I mean, digs, I mean, whether it's AJ Brown, there's a good receiver on the opposing team, Mooney this week, every team every week. So how we match that, how we play that defensively is probably gonna change week to week. But there's gonna be challenges when you play in the perimeter, and it's about really having a short term memory. And there's gonna make they're gonna be contested catches and they're gonna make a play, we're gonna make a play, but that's just the reality of playing corner in this league so each week's going to be its own set of challenges i would say sutton to your point John, is probably as good a receiver in the league that not too many people talk about i mean he's big he's strong he's fast he's got strong hands so those are the challenges you're going to face each week when you play corner usually the opposing team is going to have a pretty good player and we're going to have to stop him when it matters most how about the pass rush, couple of off-season acquisitions, Jerry
0: Hughes last week, and then, of course, Rasheem Green this week <clears throat> paying dividends for you. I know it's a stat sheet thing, but it's not all about the stat sheet, yet it's nice to see that.
3: Yeah, it's not all about stats. Sometimes it's just about being able to disrupt the quarterback. It doesn't necessarily translate into sacks or quarterback hurries, but it's in Rasheem's case – uh, Took advantage of some opportunities there on Sunday. Couldn't play the first week. Kind of missed some time there in training camp. But he's had uh, over the course of his career, he's shown at different points the ability to affect the quarterback in a positive vein. Whether it's from the perimeter as an edge rusher, or inside as a kind of an interior rusher, depending on the, on the packaging situation. But he's got good size. He's got pretty good length. He runs well. Fairly instinctive player. So, you know, we were happy that we were able to get Rasheed on the team. Um, hopefully, it translates into consistent production. Excuse me, production week to week. So. With Mario kind of being out here for a little bit, I mean, there's an opportunity. So between him, JG, and Jerry, so that group hopefully can provide us some positive plays here, you know, when we need it. In the run game, Nick, we've talked about this a lot, about seeing improving the run
2: game. He had some pops. I mean, some big pops in the run game. I think Damian's first 10 runs, I think he was like five yards a carry, I believe. What'd you think about how he ran the ball and how the offensive line going against a, a different type front? Hadn't seen a 3-4 front much. Um,
3: how'd you think that all went together? Yeah, certainly some positives, Um, you know, when you average four and a half, almost five yards a carry, so it's a combination of the offensive line doing a good job, executing their blocks, the backs reading the play, there's a couple run reads that probably could have gone a different way, maybe could have read the play, maybe a little bit better, but that comes with experience, but... I think the ability to push the pile and cane kind of those extra yards after contact um, is certainly something that we are able to do on Sunday. Um, to your point, a different front structure that yep. we saw last week. This week it's going to be <laughs> not our defense, but more closer to our defense or kind of like Lovey mentioned the other day, I believe. It's kind of in the same family here a little bit. So that, But that's each week we're going to have to figure out what's the front, how are we going to run the ball, what are some of the runs that suit that front, and to be able to go out there and execute them. And, you know, we showed the ability to do that. Um, when given the opportunity on Sunday against Denver.
0: Nick the passing attack I know you're not where you want to be on
3: third down in that game anyway and what's it going to take to improve in that category and overall collectively through the air? Yeah as a team it's just going to come down to basic execution so you know there's a timing element there's an understanding the play understanding the coverage understanding where we go with the football each play it's going to change what happens post snap and being able to anticipate what the the defense is going to do so there's no magic formula. It's gonna take a lot of work and it's about executing, executing the plays properly and then taking advantage of the opportunities when we get them and in re- relative to third down, trying to keep it in manageable situations, which we were able to do that. You know, we didn't execute the short yardage play. We had a couple other third and call it less than four where probably done a little bit better job executing the play, we've been able to stay on the field with sustained drives, which gives the opportunity to kinda of get in, in in the end zone. So overall as a team we just have to focus on our execution and get better in the areas that you know we need to improve.
2: Other than asking you about rookies, this is my favorite time of the week. Is when I ask you about the next team because I know by by the time we've talked to you, you've put that game in the rearview mirror. And now Chicago Bears, and it's a team that we know probably a little bit about because Matt Eberflus was defensive coordinator for the Colts. Seen the Colts a few times, but on the flip side, we haven't played the Bears Bears much at all. And they've got Justin Fields pulling the trigger. So Nick, what are your thoughts about the Bears? Where are their strengths? Um, coming into this one against us, yeah,
3: I'd say it's it's been an interesting team to study over the last you know a few weeks or so. Um, so we'll start at the top with you know Matt. So Coach Eberflus is a really good coach. Um, was a good coordinator there um, in Indianapolis for a long time. Um, he was with Coach Pinkel um, at uh, Toledo and then uh, Missouri, and he actually started his career in Cleveland, I believe, with uh, Coach Mangini hmm. under Rob. And Rob Ryan was a defensive coordinator at the time, so they're more three four principles. And eventually, when he got to Dallas, kind of transitioned there a little bit with Coach Marinelli and some of the the front and how they played defensively, and then carried that over to Indy. So I would say it's the Indy defense that we've seen the last few years with the Chicago personnel. They have 17 new players on defense, so they have Mm. a lot of new players. They have some players that have experience in Matt's system. um, So it kind of helps their overall, I would say, development and transition there, but um, so Matt's a really good coach. The, the one thing that stands out about them is uh, the takeaways. I, th- I want to say over the last four years, they have, he, th- their defenses have 105 takeaways. So they take the ball away, really put an emphasis on taking the ball away, similar to kind of what we emphasize on defense. So more of a four-man front, a little bit different than the Denver front. I'd say they have probably a lot of underrated players that not a yep. lot of people talk about. Jalen Johnson's probably as good a corner there as in the league. Um, young player. He's got good size. He's got good length. You don't complete a lot of passes on them, so you're going to have to run a lot of good routes. Um, Rokon Smith has been as productive mm-hmm. a tackler, I think, since he's been in the league. He's had over 100 tackles a year. So kind of good at all three levels of the defense. And even going back to secondary, Eddie Jackson, a very instinctive player with really good ball skills, kind of a ball hawking. And then after he gets the ball in his hands, he has, I want to say, three or four long returns for touchdowns. So, and then the front, they brought Muhammad over, who was with Indianapolis last year. Um, Robert Quinn is as good of a pass rusher as in the league. So his ability to disrupt the quarterback, I think he had 18 and a half sacks last year. So, and they have 17 new players on that side of the ball. And then offensively, Coach Getzig, his background coming from Green Bay, some of the things that they did. The run game is going to be a big part of it. Montgomery has been as productive a back as there's been in the league. Hard to tackle, low center of gravity, gets yards. I think he ran for over 100 yards the other night yeah. against Green Bay. And Justin is kind of his own unique player. From the standpoint, he's playing quarterback, but he's really a running back when he has the ball. I mean, he's big, he's fast, he's got a big arm, and they kind of do things to kind of accentuate some of the things that he does well. So I'd say tackling is certainly going to be at a premium um, with their skill players. Mooney, kind of we talked a little bit about Sutton. I would say he's a different type of receiver than Sutton, but equally as productive in his respective capacity. Two good tight ends. In the offensive line, they've kind of had some moving parts, just relative. Jenkins moved inside. Drafted uh, uh tackle Braxton Jones here in the fifth round, so he's playing. So a lot of new faces. I would say how they want to play is similar to how we want to play on, in all areas. So, you know, in the end, it's going to come down to preparation. It's going to come out of execution. But in some respects, we're kind of playing an a, a NFC version of the Houston Texans. Nick, they
0: played in that monsoon game in the opener. And if there's a situation like that, I mean, just at large, do you focus on that? Like, down the line, we're going to play at this place, and let's watch out for this aspect of it or that aspect of it. How does that work? It's an
3: interesting question, Mark. You don't, you're don't, you not playing the elements. I think understanding how to play within the elements is important. Mm-hmm. And you never know when it's going to happen. It's like Tennessee last year. We basically played in a rainstorm. You know the first road game down there in Tennessee, so you really don't know what's going to happen. You can try to assimilate as much as possible, but the climate in Houston is not necessarily as conducive. I mean, we get more thunder showers than we do maybe extensive downpours on um, playing a monsoon like they played the game in there. You know, week one, so you adjust to I'd say whatever the circumstances are. Their play calling might be affected a little bit. Maybe some players are a little bit more affected than others. So you might modify how you call it on on all three phases. So. I think you just have to be ready to react to whatever the situation is and the circumstances are. What about the field conditions, though? And the we need to change our cleats. Who makes out the packing <laughs> list? Because it
0: <laughs> changes sometimes, right? You're, you're going to play a snow game or something like that. Yeah,
3: no, you're always looking ahead. So what's the weather going to be like on Sunday? Okay, what are some of the things that we may or may not need? Looks like it's actually going to be a decent day on Sunday. Um, one of the things they did, they resodded the field, mm-hmm. um, I want to say two or three weeks ago. So it was before the, um, before the San Francisco game. So, the new surface looks like it held up okay. So, other than being getting a lot of moisture. So, again, you're not really playing the elements. You just have to right. be prepared for the elements, whatever they are. Nick, you mentioned a guy that I don't want to say I fear, but he's a guy just because of
2: his instincts and the way he plays the game is Eddie Jackson. And a guy at Alabama that played a lot of corner. He comes to the league, he moves to safety. You had a guy like that that played corner and then moved to safety in Devin McCourty. And they're, they're similar in their, their instincts, their, their ball-hawking skills. How did corner
3: make Eddie a better player
2: and make him such a good player the same way maybe
3: it did for Devin? No, it's an interesting thought. I would say not all corners can make the transition to safety. Um, Again, everybody looks at defensive backs, and there's certain attributes that a defensive back has to possess that are important to the position. I would say instinctiveness, awareness, tackling, those are things that are relevant. The ability to cover a player one-on-one, maybe there's more emphasis playing corner. Does the player, can he do that on a more kind of consistent basis? Or maybe there's another position we might find we're able to accentuate some of his skills. So Eddie had a lot of experience playing multiple roles, like Devin, like you mentioned. Um, in Devin's situation, he was an all-pro corner as a rookie or his yep. first or second year, and then he transitioned to safety. Eddie's been a, I'd say, consistently productive safety. Um, but the way you see the game and view the game at safety is different than corner. A corner, it's really the the player across from you and it's really more that side of the field safety is a little bit more all encompassing so the ability to see the whole field see the play see the concept see the formation read the quarterback break on the ball watch the quarterback's eyes put yourself in a position I'd say that's probably the biggest difference between playing corner and playing safety is the ability to have more of a bigger picture and there's a certain level of communication that is involved from the safety in terms of coverage adjustments terms of checks because the information is going to go probably top-down, so from safety to linebacker to the front, whereas corner, you're getting the information from the safety or from somebody else. So not everybody can do it. Not everybody can handle it. I think we've talked about this even going back to last year. Guys like Poyer, guys like Micah Hyde, Mm -hmm. who played corner in college – they've transitioned into, in their particular situation, two of the better safeties in the league. So it's not for everybody. It's just what is the player's skill set? Do we think he can make that transition? And is it the best position for him within the construct of the defense?
0: I like to visit on this topic throughout the season, Nick. You continue to evaluate the college players and the draft class for next year. What does the board kind of look like right now? In what form is it? We don't have pictures, so verbally, if you could take us through it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'd say it's in the infantile stages. Mm -hmm. So we've had two to three weeks of information that comes in. We get reports uploaded to our database on, I'd say, a weekly basis um, with the corresponding grades. So by position, here are the grades that have come in. Here's Joe Smith. We see him as this level of player. Here's the grade associated with it. And then there's other information that, that I'm receiving from some of our other scouts as well in terms of their trips. So you're just process. I would say at this point in the infantile stages, and you're just processing a lot of information as it comes in. And colleges have only played two or three games, so you really don't have a big body of work specific to this season. Mm-hmm. You may have a player who's in his senior year. You have some level of experience in previous seasons. So you can kind of go back and see what are some of the things that we said about him last year. Maybe it's an early answer. Your junior didn't come out. We did a lot of work on him in leading up to the draft. Well, he's gone back, so you're just kind of following up. So let's say we still have a long way to go within that process. We're just accumulating a lot of information and trying to organize it in a somewhat, you know, functional way. Nick, you could only have so many
2: scouts out there, and they can only be in one place at a time. If you go see a guy in week one, week two, I would imagine you go back and revisit that particular school or revisit that particular player at some point later down the line. Are there – particular points at which you want to see that like beginning of season middle season end of season do you kind of see it like that or how do you kind of look at that as it pertains to players
3: yeah it's probably specific to the player and it's really john probably a combination of all three so you might go into a school in august maybe just see him practice maybe see him live at a game and then maybe go back into the school october november see if there's any new information that's come up between the first time that you were there to the present time so You're constantly, that's the job of the area scout. They're typically living in the area, so they have access to a lot of information. They can get to the school, I would say, as much as, as needed. And you're really just trying to confirm information that you've accumulated and just try to see if everything matches up. So I would say that's really the benefit of multiple visits. And in the end, you're just trying to create a profile and a picture of the player so that when you actually bring that player into the building, you understand everything that comes along with it.
0: Nick, how many slices of deep-dish pizza will you have this weekend? Zero.
3: <laughs> I probably just I offended mean, the entire city of Chicago. That was but, just so sorry. Easy. That was, just I know, that was sorry. I'm not going to have you're any either. In the radio business, don't ask me <laughs> I questions. Don't like deep dish. I don't like
4: deep-dish.
0: I don't like deep-dish. Thin crust, please. I'll, all right, there we go. If I
3: have to eat pizza, I'm probably more of a thin-crust person. See? So. We, we got <laughs> something there, Johnny. What would be the instance that would make you eat pizza?
2: Uh, you invite invited to a friend's house. They offer oh,
0: Rehearsal uh, dinner for a very important wedding, and it's like that's it. <laughs> wait a <go> second. <laughs> who is who is having the pizza daughters are getting married? <laughs> oh wait, you're paying for that though. Well, sometimes
3: so. our Friday routine has been the girls like pizza on Friday. So if ah, they get pizza, maybe okay. maybe I'll have a slice of okay. their pizza. So within reason.
2: That all goes to the top of this. Okay, that's understandable. Yeah. Very good. I Nick, don't even
3: know that I want to ask <laughs> about pizza toppings. Are <laughs> you holding no, no, veggie? No, not, not doing. <laughs> it.
2: Very basic.
0: Very basic. There we go. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck this week. Thanks, guys.
2: I'll just put it this way. I got a feeling my pizza toppings are going to be way different than what Nick Casario's pizza toppings are. (laughs) Well, let's just leave it at that. All right. Mark's going to stick around with me in the next segment, and we're going to discuss Nick Chubb, Amazon's ratings. Pretty interesting thing came out of Thursday night football last week, the very first regular season game of the Chiefs and Chargers, because we got... Pittsburgh Steelers, and Cleveland Browns tomorrow night. So we'll discuss all that next right here on Texans All Access.
1: Texans All Access continues in a moment.
0: If you've wanted to buy Bitcoin but didn't know how to get started, try BitWallet, the official digital currency wallet of the Houston Texans. Go to the website BitWallet.org and download the BitWallet app and you'll get started right away with the fastest, simplest way to buy Bitcoin with your debit card. It's Houston founded and based. BitWallet has a platform for individuals and businesses with no fees and no chargebacks. BitWallet.org, BitWallet. BitWallet org bitwallet org bitwallet
1: back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the houston texans
0: welcome back to this
2: wednesday edition of texans all access i'm your host john harris football analyst sideline reporter sitting next to obviously the voice of the texans mark vandermeer mark good evening
0: johnny good evening hey i'm getting fired up for this weekend windy city all right i shouldn't call it that probably too cliche did you hear what Lovey said about when did he say that to us or did he say it in his presser? He said that it doesn't it's not called that because of the wind. Right. He said something like Windy City was not you know
2: as apropos about Chicago. I'm I'm excited to go back and actually experience the city. Remember, we went in 2020 and we had to sit in a hotel, which I'm not gonna complain too much about, but we did sit in a hotel. I had to get Luminati's deep dish. Brought to my, brought to my, uh, to our hotel. That was the only thing we could do. We didn't really get to experience Chicago. So I've been to Chicago in a long time. Other than that, so uh, I am looking forward to going back for sure. Whether if you're
0: going, it's kind of an all over the map actually. Do you know that the Windy City origin, the name, it's not just because it's windy in Chicago, but because it was sort of an insult to a lot of the people who were full of hot air. Oh. And okay. I think that's an insult that radiates between the people yeah. there. Yeah. So it's an internal thing. And it just got outside and it'd be, you know, like windbag kind of thing. And in fact, in my conversation with Jeff Joniak, which is later on, right? Yep. Full disclosure, we already recorded it. Uh, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's good. Great. I but love Jeff. He's great. I, I also talk about how, hey, State College, when I lived there, everyone calls it Happy Valley where Penn State is. Right. When you live there, you don't call it Happy Valley. No. You just don't. Well, that's kind of like, I mean, on a, a different vein, everybody calls the Dean Dome, where
2: North Carolina plays basketball. And they the call it, everybody calls it Dean Dome, but in North Carolina, they call it Smith Center. They don't call it the Dean Dome. You don't call it the Dean Dome. No, you don't call okay. it the Dean Dome. It's the Smith Center in North if Carolina. If you live in I New learn. York,
0: you really don't call it the Big Apple much. Right. You're really not going to do that. So. Just like I in Houston,
2: it. we don't say Space City. Well, sometimes we do. I guess. But not to each other. Yeah, not to each How's other. How was your
0: day in Space
2: City? <laughs> Good morning.
0: <laughs> uh, you don't
2: really no, know. not not quite. Uh, Mark, I've said this uh, a few times now that our two favorite teams on the weekend are our team, the Texans, and mm-hmm. whatever team the Cleveland Browns are playing. <laughs> Those are our two favorite teams. So we keep an eye on that. So yes. I went back and I wasn't able to kind of try. I was. You guys were kind of keeping me updated to what was going on with the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. But I didn't really, I knew it was 30 to 24 at some point. I knew the Jets had the ball. And then I heard one of you guys say, oh, they scored. They took a lead. They're going to win this game. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't realize how it actually happened. Mm. So I went back and I was watching the game and I was sort of, what's the right way of saying this? Not, I don't want to say I was appalled, but, I thought it was, I thought it was odd. So here's the situation: the Browns were ahead, 24-17. Right. There's two minutes and two seconds left, and what have we always said? If the other team, you're ahead, and the other team has no timeouts, going into two minute warning, mm-hmm. game's over. Everybody talks about it being a sixty minute game. What you want to do is make it a fifty eight minute game, right? Because you get to the two minute warning, and you just take three knees. If you get a first down, take yeah. three knees, and that sucker's over, right? So with two minutes and two seconds, Jacoby Brissett handed off to Nick Chubb. Now, I want to rewind <laughs> two years. We're playing the Cleveland Browns up in Cleveland, and it's a just awful day. Speaking of wind. Awful. 35, 40-mile-an-hour winds at times. It got high, as high as 50, 55 miles an hour. It hailed. Weather it was delay. Awful. We had a weather delay, the whole thing. And neither quarterback could really throw the ball. Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson. Neither one could really throw it. But the Browns did enough to take the lead in that one, and I think they had about a four-point lead late in the game. Nick Chubb broke a run. What did he do? Do you remember? Did he slide? No. Oh, he scored. Close enough. No. He stepped out of bounds. Oh, he stepped out of bounds. Close enough. Because the Texans were out of timeouts. It was inside the two-minute warning. He ran down, and he jumped out at about the three-yard line. Okay, so knowing that you could just take a knee and kill the clock. You can just take three knees and kill the clock at that point. So Nick Chubb did that in 2020, mind you. So Brissett tosses the ball to Nick. Nick turns the corner. And there's nobody there. Nobody there. And he
0: runs in the end zone. He couldn't help himself. Couldn't help himself. And he should have slid or ran out of bounds because yes. then after the two-minute warning, which would arrive at 155 or whatever, right? after the two-minute warning, three knees, it's over. The Jets were out of timeouts.
2: They're out of timeouts. Now, the first down was all the way down, like, the two-yard line or whatever. But even at that point, he could have done the same thing. He could have jumped out of bounds Right beyond the the first down marker, mm-hmm. the clock would stop, but it's a two minute warning anyways. Yeah. Why do not why do more
0: players not understand this? I think they do, Johnny, conceptually, but in the heat of battle, I always said, I've never played professional football. How about that for a revelation, boys and girls? <laughs> but <laughs> I can imagine that if you're on the move and the end zone is right there, it's very hard to keep yourself out of it. But he Because you're going to get credit for the touchdown. It's going to look great on the stat sheet. You might have contractual incentives based on that, and it's very hard to prevent yourself from scoring. You could sell me on that. Okay. If he hadn't done it two years prior against us. He already had the knowledge. He already had the
2: understanding. And And then I went back and I was reading, and I, I remembered this. You know who told him to go out of bounds? who was not in the huddle for the Browns. It was in the huddle with the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield reminded them in the huddle, hey, look, go down. If you break this thing, go out of bounds, end the game. And Nick Chubb ends up, there's a there's a defender that gets there and kind of cuts him off, so he's got to slow down, but he kind of swipes past that guy and then steps into the end zone instead of going down. Kate York misses the extra point. Jets go down and score on a deep ball. Now, look, there's a lot of things that have got to happen, but right. none of those
0: things happen if Nick Chubb just situational awareness just goes out of bounds. Well, I always think you do it in order to just prevent your defense from having to take the yes, field again. Exactly, Wear and tear, injury right. possibilities. Bad things can happen that way. Right. Why not just take a knee where it's like, hey, we're done playing football for this afternoon. Right. When you have that opportunity. You have to take it. That's the thing that gets me is that by going out on the
2: field, and I, I saw this in college games. Everybody's talking about Appalachian State and the Hail Mary and all that kind of stuff, which which was fantastic. The week before, they were playing North Carolina, and they had missed a two-point conversion. They were up one. Uh, I'm sorry. App, App State was down by seven. They scored, decided to go for two to win it, and missed it. So now they got an onside kick. So they're up, they're down one, an onside kick, and the North Carolina uh, receiver catches it on the run and – Takes off for the end zone. And I'm screaming, slide. No. And so right when they get near the end zone, the Appalachian State guys, instead of like, okay, this guy's going to score. This is going to help us. They're trying to tackle the guy. Oh,
0: because he dives, he dives from the three yard line into the end zone. Because he's determined to score. They're determined to stop him. Right. Both things are wrong. Right. Both things are wrong at that point. But they point. end up getting the ball back with a chance to win. Right.
2: Because North
0: Carolina scores. They
2: celebrate. So it's a fifteen yard penalty to a kickoff. <laughs> they run Appalachian State runs the kickoff back to nearly the fifty. Two plays, touchdown, they go for two and they don't
0: make it. So they end up losing 63-61, but they never should have had that they chance. They could have gone to overtime, and that would have been one of the greatest blunders ever. Ever. And I just, it makes me so frustrated. Then I see Nick Chubb do it, and I'm like, Nick, 2020, you did it against us, pal.
2: Yeah, Why he doesn't he, remember. Like, pull the and Brian Westbrook. Now, I know the fantasy gurus would have been like, no, I needed that touchdown. And his agent, maybe. But he said, I thought the game was over.
0: Mm, if there's
2: one thing in the nfl i don't care who's on the other side it's not
0: over ever joe flacco wins it for the jets okay so beautiful so here's elite joe flacco
2: so along those lines Mm -hmm. joe flacco garrett wilson first round pick garrett wilson had two touchdowns really nice fade route where he did a little Hotfoot buzz and just sold the inside, went outside, wide open. Flacco just dropped a dime on him. Hotfoot Buzz. That sounds like the name of a podcast if there ever was one. If you've seen that release, it's nice. And then he zips one. I mean, he ripped it to Garrett Wilson for the second touchdown. Joe Flacco's still alive. Zach
0: Wilson's (laughs) supposed to come back in week four. Would you do it? No, I'm playing Zach Wilson. They're not. Johnny, come on. They're going to play the Bengals this week. Well hang on do they beat the bengals at home they might what if flacco beats them last year yeah what if flacco beats them? rejuvenated joe flacco right he's taking his supplements he's getting eight hours of sleep a night he's back boys and girls and look i'm kind of i'm not really a joe flacco fan at all like not in the slightest but i kind of like it when the old Backup quarterback finds a way to resurrect himself, especially when it's beating the Cleveland Browns, who, by the way, you mentioned, you know, we root for the Texans Mm -hmm. and whatever team is playing the Browns. But I'll also add to that whatever team is playing the Titans, the Jags, (laughs) the Colts, and the Cowboys. So I have a lot of
2: teams. Litany of teams that we
0: cheer for us. And and I have (laughs) other ones going on too, some more subtle but fun ones for me. But anyway, the Steelers are at Cleveland. For the Thursday nighter. Thoughts. Steelers are coming off that loss to the Patriots where neither team played that well, but the Patriots pulled it out in Pittsburgh. Now they're at Cleveland. Browns are all upset, but so what? It's a Thursday night. Steelers have to travel, but it's not a big travel. I mean, you could basically yeah, Uber to Cleveland. Yeah, I All think- the players could do that and get there in plenty of time to get some rest yeah. and be ready as you possibly could for a Thursday nighter.
2: Yeah, I know the Southern Reporter, they did a thing on him a few years back. I can't remember if it was the COVID year or before. But Did he, they
0: bus to Cleveland?
2: He drove. He drove
0: himself. So it was the COVID year. He drove himself to Cleveland. I But... It's not or far to at Pittsburgh, all. Pittsburgh, I mean, to yeah, Pittsburgh, it's not far at all between those two cities.
2: Well, you know, we're we're we are staunch Steeler fans, which means we're cheering for Mitch Trubisky. And unfortunately, there's no T.J. Watt uh, playing Ooh. for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But of course, we're cheering for Pittsburgh, man. Of course, come on, Najee Harris got to get it done. Speaking of Thursday Night Football, did you see this? I I had seen this and I forgot to bring it up because we we've talked about this. We're definitely broadcast files. Yep. we're always thinking about broadcast. Amazon's first broadcast of Thursday Night Football attracted a record number of new prime signups over a three hour period, more than during similar periods on Prime Day or other big shopping days, such as Black Friday and Cyber Monday, an executive said in a memo viewed by CNBC. We know the game was between the Chiefs and the Chargers, and that's one of 15 games that Amazon paid $1 billion to broadcast. Mm hmm. Amazon uh I think the number was 12 the number they were shooting for was 12.5 million views. And apparently in this in this time frame they had 13.2 million signups. So wait, how many viewers viewers? They wanted 12.5 million viewers. That was the goal. Right. For that Thursday. And apparently they had somewhere on upwards of 13.2 million signups or something of that. I mean, just an absurd sign up, absurd number to go watch Monday Thursday night football. I mean, it sounds like,
0: I mean, it sounds like okay. I've got to go find the game. It sounds like people went and found the damn game. Yeah, but they we went don't, and found it. We don't have that final final yet, though, from Nielsen, do we? I don't. No, we. I don't it. think
2: we ever got a final
0: uh, <laughs> rating. Listen, they, I don't know what they're doing, Johnny, but. They come up with the numbers on the over the air broadcast networks and regular cable networks yeah. very quickly. Yes. With Amazon, we need to take more time here because I don't know what is going on. I don't know on. how you measure that. I, I don't. Well, you I can measure no pretty. Amazon can tell you exactly how many people are watching. Yeah. 13 million signups sounds like a but bit a, of a spin to me. But Something they, is
2: different. But are they, are they required to do it? can no. amazon do it like with nielsen ratings mm. With nielsen ratings i mean don't all the networks
0: have to sign question. up and all that great question i mean amazon they don't have to tell anybody right you no know, they don't have to but it'll leak out because if you want to sell advertising on these games well, they true. want to know yeah. right i mean the the beer companies the car companies they want to know what you got because that's how the yeah. rates are set right. so as cutting edge as this all is it's still a regular broadcast. It yeah. really is. I mean, people make a big deal about it, and they should. It's a streaming thing. I get it. But it's still like you're watching a game. They take commercial breaks. You want to get really yeah. new. You have a broadcast. You have Amazon where you don't take commercial breaks. Right. Okay? Oh, if you're going to get all those sign-ups, let's eliminate the commercials. Let's go... Action to action. You'll take a little break, like a pause, if you will. Maybe they'll promote do something. Maybe what they'll do is I for think one that's week. What, yeah, I think that's what they'll, they'll head toward right. because they've got the money to do it. Just like when the Masters said, look, you're not going to run commercials this year on the Masters. You don't have to, CBS. Right. We've got it. We'll write you the check because Martha Burke was protesting. This was in the 90s Yeah, yeah. about no female members at Augusta. And they said, we know you don't want any kind of controversy and you and your advertisers we will write you to the check for the advertisers or how about Stanford? I don't know what they're doing right now, but remember they a long time ago decided no on-campus athletic advertisers. Yeah, right. uh, they had some sort of a huge donation cover the cost. Right. So with Amazon, this is another version of that. Hey, get rid of all the commercials, make it. So yeah, you're promoting stuff or right. whatever, maybe charitable efforts, but that would be revolutionary. How fast would that game be? It would be the a marshes? lot faster, and it would that would be very disruptive. that would shake up the industry quite a bit it would. and that would be a unique viewing experience. What you're getting right now is like, yeah, a lot of bells and whistles kind of cool and the other options you have to view right but it's not that unique. it's still you know it's Al Michaels. Which and is Kirk Street. It's yeah, pretty, pretty good. It's pretty good. But
2: Pittsburgh and Cleveland, the second go round. We always talk about week one and week two. We'll see what kind of changes Amazon makes there. Coming up next, Rasheem Green sits down in the hot seat for a little deep slant with DP That's next on Texans All Access.
1: More Texans radio is on the way.
5: And we're back with breaking news Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever.
6: That's right, Jim. Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any Coke fan, so make sure you... Jim. <laughs> Jim. We're on the air.
0: Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. Your thoughts, Jen?
6: Well, can I have a sip? <laughs>
2: Jen, we're in the middle of reporting the news. I need to try it first, to try it first, to try it...
1: Texans Radio. The Drive continues.
2: Time to dive right into our deep slant interview of the week with our good friend, D.P. Sudu. This week, it's Rasheem Green sitting down in the hot seat with D.P.
6: Green. And Rasheem, I was joking with you earlier because I've seen you out on the field, but you're like, I don't know much about you. You don't have much about you out there on social media. And you said, that's uh, good.
4: Well, it's good because cause I try <laughs> to keep to myself. I feel like I don't need to post everything that I'm doing. Um... Outside of football, I have a few hobbies. I like to uh, chill with my friends and family. You have a dog? I do find. I, I found out that you
6: have a dog named George. George, yeah. A boxer. And only because George has his own Instagram, yeah. which hasn't been updated in a while. Uh,
4: so. I haven't posted none, but I do <laughs> have a lot of pictures of George <laughs> on my phone, but uh, I'm not really big on posting.
6: Yes, posting I can life. see that. All right. Well, did you post about your big sack?
4: Not have yet. you posted a highlight of that? Uh, That's, I reposted a bunch of story tags, but I didn't post nothing yet. I was going to probably get around to that today.
6: Okay. You know? Well, I mean, how ironic is it that your first sack as a Texan should come against the only other quarterback you've ever played with in Russell Wilson? Like, does familiarity help in that situation?
4: Not really, but, I mean, it was nice to get a sack on him because, you know, like last four years, always don't touch Russ.
6: You know, oh, but, okay. You, you know, got to make up for it. Yeah. In, in your <laughs> fifth year, not playing with Russ. So your Texans debut happens in week two. You didn't get to play in that week one game. We saw a lot of you in OTAs, saw you throughout camp. You know, how hard was that for you to open up the season and not be able to play?
4: Oh, it was tough because I feel like, you know, like this past summer and this training camp, I put like a lot of work in with here and back home in the offseason. I felt like, you know, it was just real hard just like doing all that work just to get like a slight setback. I'm glad it was only just a uh, – slight setback instead of something out longer, and I was able to miss one instead of several weeks. So I just got like another chance to make up for it. You
6: know? Well, we were happy to have you, and you made a, a big impact in that game. This offseason, you were a free agent. You traveled to several teams mm-hmm. before you signed with Houston. Ultimately, what went into your decision to sign here?
4: It was a lot of things. I felt like the main thing was I felt like this was the right fit for me, you know, with, like, the scheme and just, like, where I don't know how to really – describe it, I just felt like this was the right move.
6: Your skill set probably more... I mean, the one thing I hear about your skill set is that you're so versatile. I think Jerry Hughes said that you can play anywhere on the line. Your size is great. Your speed is fantastic. It seems like you could have fit in anywhere. Was was this scheme very similar or different to what you're playing in Seattle?
4: Uh, it's very... It's very different. We... or. I mean, there are some things that are similar, but for the most part, it's more of a attack in front, like, like the front. Like, I, I'm not saying it wasn't attacking attack in front in Seattle. This is more pass for short, like, base. In Seattle, it was more of like a – we ran like a 3-4. Th-
6: I see. Okay. So, I have heard that about Lovey's scheme is that it's more of a, an attack.
4: I mean, I mean, playing fast, just over reading blocks, but we're not going out there two gapping. This is just – you have one gap, one assignment, and you have to – like you have to trust that your teammates are doing their job, and you have to do your job in your gap. You know, I mean, it's a little more, uh, it's a little more simple for him for me.
6: You, when you met with Lovey, I'm sure he did ask all the right questions. You guys had some good conversations. What mm-hmm. was your impression of him when you met him or um, when you talked to him?
4: When I first met him, uh, well, like previously, I've, I've heard some good things about him when he was at uh, I forget what school was he at. Illinois. Yes, because I had mm-hmm. a, a teammate from a high school that transferred from USC to there. He okay. Had, like, a real, it wasn't really a good fit for him at USC, and then he transferred there, and he was just like – he went there, and he was balling out. He was getting a bunch of sacks. And so, like, from what I, have like, knew about him, outside of, like, him being, like, the Bears coach and when he was in Tampa Bay, like, as a person – He's great as a coach. He's great. You know I mean, I did like the stuff he was talking about. Not just He was a great coach.
6: That's really interesting. So you had a former teammate.
4: Yeah, a former teammate who played for him in college. Can you say who
6: it is or what position it was? Similar position to same,
4: yours? Uh, same thing as me. So.
6: Okay, so that really led into your decision as well to play I, for him. You I, had I, a little bit of insider Well, info. no, I, I
4: wouldn't say that led <laughs> into my decision. But like from what I've known about him, like is very. it's a defensive line friendly front. I mean, so if you're playing in this front, like, man, the plays are out there for you to make.
6: You seem to be making a lot of plays here early on. I think in OTAs before the pads even went on, Levy said that you'll have a role this coming year. And he he felt pretty confident making that statement. So did you feel that way, too, in OTAs that Mm -hmm. you were sort of fitting in and things were going? You've never played for another team or another head coach until you get here. So did you feel like that transition was pretty smooth for you?
4: Uh yeah, um I I felt like it wasn't nothing too crazy. Uh it like wasn't nothing, like I couldn't do. There was a slight learning period, but I mean I got through that. So
6: I when I was when you signed here, I think I looked back at some of your plays last year and the one I know you you probably know I'm going to ask you about this. You blocked up extra point attempt, uh, <laughs> scooped up the ball, returned it to the other end for two points, and according to ESPN stats and info, you were the first player to block, recover and score on the return. Of an extra point attempt, so plays like that, like when that play is unfolding, you think, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win um, this back.
4: For that play, it's one of those things like you're just in the moment. I blocked it, and then I just seen the ball like it just looked like the <laughs> ball was floating there. I was like, <laughs> grab it. <laughs>
6: You, you ran quite a distance to yeah. get to the end zone, 94 yards. So. Yeah, I
4: was tired after
6: that. You were tired. You were fast, though, too. So I was tired after
4: that. Yeah. I wish I would have kept the ball. I threw it on the ground. Just like you didn't keep the it. Oh, my gosh. I wish I would have kept it.
6: Next time. Yeah. Next time you kick yeah. it, next time you score, you, could, you can do it. All right, as a, as a rookie, you played 10 games in 2018, but you didn't even start until the 2019 season. And mm-hmm. I was looking at your age when you were drafted. You were really young. You were 20, right, mm-hmm. when you actually went through the draft. So, did that affect your mentality getting into the NFL, just being young and, and um, not playing? Like, how did you sort of work through all that?
4: Uh, I didn't really think about my age being a factor when I'm out there. It's just, like, at the end of the day, it's still football. It's just the guys are a little bigger, faster, like, smarter, too. But uh, if you go out there with the right mindset and approach, like, your age doesn't like, matter if you're 20, 21, 25, 30. Yeah. If you go out there with the right approach, it's just. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just football. Not trying to make it seem like it's easy, but I mean, it's it's like still hard. But it's I mean, fun. it's
6: amazing. You're 25 and you've you're in your year five in the NFL. Like that seems really really young yeah. still. That's why I went back and I looked. But 20, you know, yeah, maybe when you're 20, 21, and you know you, you're in the NFL, you're with the same caliber. There,
4: too. uh, I I would say there was like a slight like there was a slight learning period where I did have my struggles. You know. Let me be physical because it's, like, different being in college versus sure. NFL.
6: You went to Junipero, Sarah, high school. Mm-hmm. Seems like that's a pretty big pipeline for USC players. It, they had quite a few players oh, yeah. that uh, came out with you. Robert Woods, Adoree Jackson, Marquise Lee. Mm-hmm. So was it just like a foregone conclusion
4: that you're going uh, go to go to SC? Well, well no, it, it wasn't like because I'm going to Sarah, I'm going to go to USC. It was just like growing up, you know what I mean, like, I feel like a lot of kids from L.A. or like kids in like the same neighborhoods. I Me, mean, you grow up like if you're watching football. When I was growing up, it was like USC was like you know what I mean like like the man the best school like so. People who I watched when I was in like in middle school and like or let's say if I was watching like a different high school football game where like the best kids in L.A. They were probably going there too. So it's like and it's like 15 minutes from my house. So. Oh okay.
6: Did you live at home? Did you live on campus?
4: I lived on campus. I did not live. At
6: home. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like there's some players that live 15 minutes from their house in uh, the nah. NFL. I'm not naming any names on our team. They live at home because it's easy.
4: Uh, I, uh, I like thought about it, but I was like, I don't feel like doing that drive every morning. Sure. So I just like lived a block away from campus and I'll ride my scooter.
6: How do you like being in Houston? I mean, you've gone from California to Seattle and now Texas. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about Texas? Have You you had the offseason, so of get around the city a little bit.
4: Where what do you think of H-Town? Houston? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's real, real hot, you know.
6: It's Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not It's hot. not cooled down at all since you've been here. It, it, no, it's not. No. It's
4: uh, nice. The rain is pretty heavy compared to Seattle. Like, probably, really? I feel like Seattle rain is more constant and light. This year, it rains just like random and heavy.
6: Yeah, it's like hurricane downpours. But like Seattle, heavy. you're right. It's like a drizzle, but it's not enough to carry an umbrella because the one time I went to no. Seattle or the few times, if you carry an umbrella, they know you're a tourist. Because nobody there carries an umbrella. Like, you're I, just I, used I've to it. i never
4: used an umbrella. I just had, like, a hoodie and then, like, a little, like, <laughs> coat that was waterproof. So
6: Here, you probably, yeah, umbrella. Here,
4: I can't wear a hoodie because it's too hot when it rains, too. So. That's
6: also true. Yeah. Otherwise, hmm. have you been around, like, food-wise food, food wise and everything? Uh,
4: food-wise, I've been to a couple spots. I try to, like, eat, eat pretty healthy. I know, like, I'm <laughs> from Houston. I mean, they like, the food is good, but it's not, like, the best if you want to, like, I me mean, be like fit.
6: Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Well, that's probably true. It's Not the healthiest, but it is delicious.
4: Yeah, it's good.
2: Man, those two are making me hungry. And I got a feeling that Jeff Joniak and Mark Vandermeer are going to make me hungry for some football. It's men behind the mics coming up next right here on Texans
5: All Access.
1: This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.
5: You know what having fun your way is really like? It's never-ending options and rewards at over 50 destinations nationwide. It's Caesars Rewards. Dine at Hell's Kitchen at Caesars Palace Las Vegas. Party the night away at Harris, New Orleans. Or bet big on table games at Horseshoe Bossier City. With Caesars Rewards, you earn benefits for every way you play. Book your trip at Caesars.com and sign up for Caesars Rewards today. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. 2-4700
0: to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about.
5: Goes over the middle,
0: wide open across the five. He's in. Touchdown, Houston. Fires underneath. This is intercepted. Back to back possessions with picks for this Texans defense. Takeaway number 3 on the day.
1: Game day is every day. 5 nights a week the hits keep on coming. <laughs> Now, it's Texans All Access, presented by Mattress Firm.
2: As we kick off the second hour of this edition of Texans All Access, it's time for this week's Stats Challenge, brought to you by Schlumberger. Visit HoustonTexans.com today to register to take the Stats Challenge. And so here it is, 76.5. 76.5 yards per game. Now, there are a lot of of things that can relate to. 76.5 yards per game would be... A marginal running attack. 76.5 yards per game on the ground. That would be marginal or a little less than. But how about 76.5 yards through the air? Because that's what the Bears are averaging right now. They've thrown for 153 total yards in two games. They're 32nd in the league at 76.5 yards per game. Their passing game has got to pick it up, obviously, and they're going to do that with Justin Fields against this Texans defense. Now, to get a little bit more into Justin Fields and Chicago Bears, it's time to go Men behind the mics with our good friend Jeff Joniak, one of the best in the business with the best in the business, Mark Vandermeer. Right now, we call Men behind the mics. Mark, take it away.
0: Joining us right now, Texans Radio, Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears. And, Jeff, I was on your show. You're on (laughs) our show right now. It is great to have you with us, my friend. And, you know, just give me some thoughts here because you and I met. uh, Did you get the job in 2002? Cause that's when 01. I got the job. Oh one. So you had already been at it for a year and I met you in Oh four, uh, when the Texans first visited Chicago, but, uh, what do you, what do you make of this thing? This NFL thing over two decades in, uh, it's oh, a my. great, great situation to be in. Uh, when you look at the fans, the media, the fun, uh, and the league just keeps getting better and better and more popular than ever.
7: Listen, we're very lucky, you know, and during COVID, I think all of us play-by-play guys, uh, not just the NFL, but all around the league, got a true appreciation of what we missed, mm-hmm. uh, the interactions in the locker room. I, I I've, It's just been fun to go in there on a Friday afternoon. No microphone. I never do it with a microphone. I don't know how you handle it, but I just go in there to chat, you know, right. and, you, and you get to know the guys, you, you find some nuggets, some context, maybe learn some things for future features or whatnot that, you know, you didn't know before. And it's just uh, back to the routine and, and just being in the stadiums and being interactive and the events. And that's what we love about it. I know you get asked to do a lot of things. I certainly get a lot asked of me here in Chicago on many different platforms. And while it can be a grind a little bit over the course of a 20 week NFL season, it's a lot of fun and it's back, it's back. Everybody's got the passion and, um, You know, what really struck me was when we've been on these text change with the other play-by-play guys in the league, you know, comparing notes, and it's such a unique fraternity, and we're very, very fortunate to be in it. We got lucky, I guess, in many respects, and uh, been able to do it for this long, my 22nd year. Uh, and you're in in the 20s now too. It's just uh, it's an honor to do Bears football, and it's an honor to cover the NFL and chart the progress and chart the and chart the history of the game as mm-hmm. we're doing week to week.
0: Well, I love coming to Chicago because original franchise. I mean, 1920 Chicago, Green Bay. These franchises are amazing. And just a quick question. I know it didn't go well on Sunday night with the Packers and the Bears, but just being a part of that thing year after year. Do the fans get tired of the this is the oldest rivalry in the league talk, or how do, do they take it, Jeff? What's their impression of it?
7: Well, The diehards, the, the ones who really uh, think only about Bears-Packers. You know, you, mm. you'll get the obligatory <laughs> coaches show live opening uh, opening week. Hey, you got to beat the Packers, you know, the new coach. You got to beat the Packers, Matt Eberfloos. Mm. Uh, but, you know, players and coaches don't think that way. I mean, Matt Eberflus has made a very clear, you know. This is about us. This is about us. You know, beating every team who's in front of us. He did not get caught up. He loves the history of the game. Loves the history of the franchise. He's got pictures of Bears Hall of Famers in his office, and when a player comes in, he quizzes them on who they are. Wow. I mean, he wants them to know that. He wants that. To, and as Lovey did, Lovey, Lovey loved that the history of the game. Everybody who comes in here, it's like a museum. It's the you know original franchise. So the fans, I, I don't think they get tired of it. I just think they're tired of losing to the Packers.
0: Yeah, of 10%. course. Well, everybody's kind of tired of the Packers. Just kidding. <laughs> Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears with us. All right, so you had Lovey Smith for a long time there, for nine years yeah. in the Windy City, as they call it. Do they really call it the Windy City locally, by the way, or is that just an outsider's nah, thing?
7: Nah, not much. I mean, you know, not really. That's okay. funny. I, I, I mean, now that you mentioned that, not really, you know. Yeah. I gave Devin Hester the Windy City Flyer back in 06 in his opening <laughs> kickoff return against the uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, against the... Uh, the Packers and a shutout win over Green Bay, I might add, in 2006. But other than that, no. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I used to work in State College, Pennsylvania, Happy Valley. They don't call it Happy Valley much it. locally. <laughs> it's weird. Anyway, but Jeff, what was it like working for Lovey for all that time? What can you tell us? Because we're really enjoying the experience of working with him here.
7: Man, I got super close to Lovey. I mean, I spent a lot of time in his office after coaches' shows. We'd sit there and watch Monday night football while he's working on, you know, bear stuff. He, you know, we talk about uh, different aspects of the game. Certainly I learned a lot about defense from Lubby uh, and about, you know, staying in your gaps, man. That was his big, his big thing. In addition to taking the ball away. And I just, I, I really appreciated that. I appreciate it. You know, anytime coaches are super busy, the last thing they do, frankly, when they get these jobs is coach, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they have so many responsibilities, for him to take that kind of time with me over the years, I'll never forget it. Uh, he was gracious. He was honest. And um, I really developed a close friendship with him that I, I still have to this day. So, you know, he, he often talks about family, and I, I feel that very much would love me.
0: So the Super Bowl did not go according to plan, but getting there must have been a magnificent run with him, with you being able to do what you do. Can you just share a thought or two uh, on that for me?
7: Yeah, I mean, a lot of folks didn't didn't think that was going to be possible on the outside looking in. But again, you know, when you get these playoff teams that go deep, uh, they just know in the off season they just have this feeling. But you know, Devin's arrival made that even clearer because you had a great defense with stars at almost every position. Now looking back, and I just had uh, spent some time with Patrick Manning, the Bears' long snapper this summer, ran into him. On the streets in Chicago, we wound up having a couple of drinks and, you know, chopping it up about the old days. And you go through the positions, all these guys, I mean, it's from really terrific players across the board. And certainly the Hall of Fame caliber players with Brian Urlacher right there in the middle Mm -hmm. of that defense for Lovey. And they loved loved. Lovey. They loved that man to this day. So they played hard for him. They'd do anything for him. The Charles Peanut Tillmans of the world, Mike Browns. Uh, the guys up front on the defensive line, Julius Peppers, when he came in later on in, in the 2010 season, they made it to the NFC championship game. Um, but, you know, Devin was the electric. He was the he was the electric mm. uh, igniter. And that that year, we'll never forget what he did as a rookie when turning touchdowns left and right. And that helped us get to the Super Bowl. But, and the offense was uh, built around that running game with Thomas Jones and the late Cedric Benson and an offensive line mm. that was all veterans up front and uh, a quarterback that, you know, you know, had uh, a great opportunity to make big plays down the field because of that running game. So there was a lot to it. Uh, the ride ended, of course, uh, with the C this winning in Seattle on the Robbie Gold field goal and the divisional game for the win. And then, you know, Reggie Bush, uh, Got everybody rankled, including Urlacher. He caught a touchdown pass and waved at Urlacher. And the last thing he should have done on the way to the end zone because the Bears punished him the rest of the way. Snow started flying, a snow globe moment. Bears win the NFC Championship, and they're going to
0: Miami. Crazy. Wow. Wow, great memories. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears with us. Is it safe to say this? Maybe I'm generalizing too much. But Lovie Smith's run in Chicago, winning run, Super Bowl appearance, uh, obviously the man can coach, but the offense has never quite got the sustained level of performance that he was looking for. Defense, yes, or way more often than the offense. It was just difficult to make that work the way he wanted it to.
7: It's quarterback position. You know, they, if you don't get that right, you're not going to be a Super Bowl team more than likely. It's happened where you can get a guy and, and he'll have a, a nice career. And, you know, it's because of the defense that you get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And you know the names I'm thinking about out there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was so much change uh, from offensive coordinators, so many offensive coordinators. And then when they brought in Jay Cutler, I mean, it was it was a trumpeted selection to, to bring him here and get him here. But, again, more change. The coordinators kept changing. So there wasn't that consistency and finding that right connection that could help build. And, you know, it takes a while to build an offense. It's mm-hmm. two or three years at least. It's not an instant uh, – instant, uh, instant coffee, so to speak. Yep. So, and we're experiencing that now with, with Justin Fields, everybody, you know, sees the first round pick and, you know, they want instant success, but it's going to take some time.
0: Well, tell me about fields and the offense right now, what you're seeing, you're able to run the ball well against the Packers the other night, but, uh, you're not getting the point totals you want. And I know the first game was kind of weird, but what are you thinking so far overall on that side of the football, Jeff?
7: Yeah, I got to kind of delete the first game because the weather conditions prompted, uh, just a, complete dedication of the running game but you know Justin had a terrific second half you know led three scoring drives defense the last two weeks has held teams to three points in the second half so that's encouraging uh but there is the passing game is is not even gotten on track i mean they haven't even like committed to it yet so mm-hmm. that that's who we're waiting to see what's next in that regard because if the only run the ball teams are going to You know, just try to make sure they take that away and then put it on the quarterback and see if he can handle it. So that's the next step. Get that thing going. They got to get some balance. Um, But you really can't surmise a lot from what we've seen so far in the passing offense because they just haven't had many attempts.
0: So defensively, the Matt Eberflus defense, everyone's saying it's a lot like what the Colts used to run. What are your thoughts?
7: Yeah, I mean, it is. With with an influence from Allen Williams, the defensive coordinator, he's the play caller, not the head coach. So Allen Williams has put his... Uh, twist to it, but it's all predicated on the same principles that that Lovey's defense has, and that is waves of guys up front, rushing the passer with four, tackling, sure tackling. I mean, Matt Eberflus has so many things and slogans and and ways to put things in context for the players, and what he wants, it's a specific. It's not a general idea. It's this is how you have to tackle. He goes through it. Every day at the podium, when he's when he's doing his news conferences, he it's it's about the Bears. It's not about the other team. Uh, the tackling is was not good against Green Bay, so look for that to be a big emphasis against the Texans and moving forward. But it was not good, and they did run the ball extremely well. I think both clubs have been gouged here, Houston and the Bears. You know, with 300 plus yards rushing in the first two games, so that has to you got it. You got to stop that in order to rush the passer. So that'll be job one and. You know he wants the ball taken away at all at all costs. You know he loves the peanut punch. He's gotten no, no peanut Tillman. Adam speaking to the team mm-hmm. uh, during training camp, and you know Matt Eberflus does have a fond appreciation for some of those Bears uh, like the Erlackers and the Briggs and the Tillmans and the Julius Peppers guys that Lovey Smith coached.
0: Wow, this could be the Peanut Punch Bowl coming
7: up
6: <laughs> this <laughs> I weekend. Know, right?
0: <laughs>
7: no, hey, Jim- listen, if if the ball's is out, no one should be surprised. If if you get it punched out of there, you you better be aware. I mean, I know that both teams will be. they're they're conditioned because of practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll it may be hard to get the ball out with
0: yeah. that. Yeah. Could be. Said, Could know? be. They're they're gonna brace for it. Jeff Joniak, voice of the bears with us. A couple more for you. Pandemic. The last dance comes out and there's no sports on television. Everyone's watching this. This is huge. They accelerated the release of it because there was nothing on. It was a great idea. How did it play in Chicago? It must have been monumental in Chicago, this video series.
7: Oh, yeah, it was awesome. I was very much a part of that era. Mm -hmm. I was doing pre and post game for the Bulls during that time. My daughter's. Wanted. My daughter was working with the Bears for the last two and a half years, and now she's off to uh, grad school at North Carolina. But she was just a a baby when I was doing that stuff, so she wanted to watch each one of those. She wanted to want to see what it's all about. What this Michael Jordan era? The last. What is this all about? All these championships talked about all the time, and you know we're waiting to see if there's even a snippet of me on the (laughs) sidelines or you know just a walk by. Mm -hmm. Would you believe not one frame of jeff joniak so yeah i thought i was slowing it down i go kelly i think i'm there right next to phil jackson when he's walking over yeah i think i'm right nothing no so she was she loved it appreciated the man i tried to explain what he was and i thought they clearly explained who he is he's uh the guy was an assassin and he's the ultimate competitor and i saw it firsthand courtside and it was awful fun to watch.
0: Well, you have the six championships, but how are the 85 Bears viewed in Chicago? I don't want to say versus Jordan, because that's not fair. Six championships and Michael Jordan versus that team. But that team... You know a lot of people our age at least would say, "Hey, that might have been the best team we've ever seen uh It was certainly I can't imagine what that team would be like now in the social media era. uh back then, they invented their own media with the Super Bowl Shuffle and everything, but how do our, how are they remembered in Chicago?
7: Lad out legends, yeah, every last one of them yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who you were on that team. Everybody knows who you are it's still they they still are the big shots I mean, and mm-hmm. you know the 85 bears heard a lot about the 63 bears champions and, you know, they got tired of hearing that. And I'm sure teams get tired of hearing about the 85 bears, but until you get that next one, it's always going to be the 85 bears. I mean, it's that's that's the last two championships, 63 and 85. So it's a long time. And uh, they were such personalities. I mean, there's not a day that goes by when Tom Thayer, my broadcast partner was the starting Uh, right guard for that team doesn't share something I hadn't heard before. And some of these things you can't put on the radio. So, you know, it's, they were just unique in every way and just big personalities. There were a lot of alphas, alphas on that team, Uh, Mm -hmm. not just, you know, the big, the big guys on defense there, there were alphas on that offensive line and Jimbo covert and Walter Payton and Jim McMahon and Dennis McKinnon, a receiver. And then the defense had its own unique you know, it's like their own company. They they were CEOs of their own company. And oftentimes that that offense doesn't get a lot of credit, but they led the league in rushing repetitively. The offensive line stayed together for seven years, which is unheard of. I mean, they rarely miss games. So it's a unique collection of Chicago bears and certainly arguably uh, the best team of all time. Certainly the best defense of all time when that conversation.
0: Jeff, it's so great to catch up, as always. Can't wait to see you on Sunday at Soldier Field. Thanks a lot for the time.
2: Always a pleasure, Mark. I've listened to so many NFL film shows featuring all the radio broadcast crews. I've heard that name, that voice, Jeff Joniak, the name, the voice so often. It's always good to catch up with him. And just what an absolutely awesome, awesome guy, uh, which always makes me feel good that I'm listening to good people on the radio. Speaking of good people, Drew Doherty is good people. He's coming up with me next. A little in the lab right here on Texans All Access. Stay
1: tuned for more Texans Radio.
3: Whether running a marathon
0: or walking your dog, every movement matters. But when you're in pain, simple activities can feel unbearable. At Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, our specialists can help you heal faster using the latest technology, minimally invasive procedures, and advanced physical therapy. As the top-ranked hospital in Texas, we have the expertise to keep you moving and help you get back to doing the things you love. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. Leading medicine. Leading medicine.
1: Now, back with more on Texans Radio.
2: We are back in this Wednesday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. I am John Harris, your host. Glad to be with you. I'm also one half of the In the Lab Podcast that is storming the nation. Everybody around the country is listening. You should be listening. HoustonTexas.com or wherever you get your podcast. Get that podcast and listen to it. But if you didn't, because I know you're busy and you're driving home and you're like, man, I really wish I could listen. Well, I got you covered because Drew and I did a great
5: in the lab. I don't want you to miss it. And it's right here. John, we're getting ready for the Bears. Bears. We got to talk about the Bears. And before we do, uh, our good friend, Tyler Marcotte, who's a producer here, an Emmy Award-winning producer, by the mm-hmm. way, he texted me yesterday and he said, hey, which Bears do you want to talk about for in the you know, for extra points, Texans Extra Points, the TV show you can watch every Saturday night on ABC 13, KTRK at 11-ish, mm-hmm. 1035-ish. It's basically after the game and after the news. So it's sort of it's a, a fluid time slot. You can also watch it on YouTube, too. But anyways, he asked which Bears I wanted to talk about and I can't give him a straight answer. I have to mess with him. Like he's mm-hmm. it's just that's part of the, the dynamic. And I said Grizzlies <laughs> Winnie, the, Winnie the Pooh and <laughs> I can't remember uh. the third bear, but yeah. I uh I, I did that to him and he didn't he didn't appreciate it really.
2: No, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure at that point because Grizzly Adams means nothing to him. No, no. I mean Grizzly Adams, I mean, it's that was that was barely me when I was younger, but yeah, it it's an interesting point you bring up because, I was just
5: talking like grizzlies yeah, in yeah, general, yeah. not not that character. I was talking about yeah. the species. I got you. Yeah.
2: Um I would have probably gone Kodiak, but <laughs> or black bear. You know, we were in West Virginia. We saw I didn't one. I didn't really know this, but we were up in the hills and of West Virginia when we were at the Greenbrier and there was bear watching and I didn't really think I don't know. I I never really paid attention to where bears really are going to be, but we were driving up to the top of the mountain for something and our bus driver just hit the brakes. And I was sitting at the back at the time, but I'm like, what the heck? It's like, I'm going the seat in front of me. Like, what's he doing? Oh, he's my bear. I'm like what bear? Yeah. Well then about a week later, we were driving up to the top of the mountain to go play basketball up the summit. And we did the same thing. We were pulling around a corner and I think Jay was driving and, Jay pulls around, all of a sudden comes to a halt and we'd look, and there's a there's a bear. We all got our phones out, we're gonna record it. Anyways, it, bear took off. But we I saw probably four or five bears and during our two stints up in West Virginia. So we're gonna see a bunch of them in Chicago. And you bring up an interesting question, Drew, and that is who are the Bears? But wait, because, but wait, before we do,
5: all right. I totally forgot about this. On that same trip in West Virginia, uh-huh. Tyler Marcotte, this guy that we're talking about, <laughs> Had this famous, famous reaction to seeing a bear. (laughs) That's true. Which, uh, (laughs) it was caught on Twitter, and this is what he said. The bear. All right, now that we got that out of the way, we love Tyler. We love messing with him. But Uh uh, you were talking about who the Bears are. They've got a new quarterback. Mm -hmm. I say new. He's just young. He's not new. Second year quarterback, yeah. Yeah, this is his second year. Jim McMahon, he is not. No. But... This kid can play, and mm-hmm. the growth process is happening. And we're familiar with growth process. He's around here, seen it with Davis Mills, mm-hmm. saw it with the guy before him. We've seen it, you know, over the years here. But to finish up, what are you about to finish up on there? On yeah, there? I mean, I, the think, are?
2: I think people do know Justin Fields. You know, he's a first round pick in 2021. That name is familiar. He played at the Ohio State University. I think we're obligated to say that. Maybe not. I don't know. Either way, I will
5: never ever abused the okay the ever yeah
2: the anyways he's made some strides I, I don't think there's any question about that and like i think you put it perfectly he's in the process of becoming a, a good young quarterback in this league but i think a lot of people don't really know the rest of the bears blind like wait they can a, run the ball man who's they the can bears run the ball that's the guy that's the guy on offense david montgomery now receiver darnell mooney is one of the more exciting receivers i mean he's He's kind of, if you shrunk Nico and gave him Brandon Cook's speed, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you have with with Darnell Mooney, kind of give you an an idea. He's a really quality receiver. He's the one throwing the outside. Cole Comet at tight end. I think he's a good tight end. He had a good game against us in 2020. But David Montgomery killed us. The very first run of the game at twenty twenty, he goes to the house eighty yards.
5: And the Texans were almost dead on arrival because that, of that. I mean I, that that, day was, the whole that was day was awful done. You were kind of thinking, well, maybe they might make a run in December and that nope. that got snuffed out early on.
2: Because they had played well the week before against Indianapolis, but then yeah. bobbled a the, you know, bad snap there, costing the game at the end. And then the week after that they played in Indianapolis and were going in to tie the game and fumble the ball at the two. Mm. So they had played well in December, just in January and couldn't come up with any wins. But the game that they were completely and totally outclassed was in that game at Chicago. Now, in that game, uh, Mitchell Trubisky was awesome. He threw a lot of passes down Robinson, who is an awesome receiver. Khalil Mack had a sack safety. Mm -hmm. Akeem Hicks played in that game for the Bears, had a really solid ball game. Those guys are all gone. Those are all names that people remember. A They're all denominator. Nobody's yeah. there. None of them are there. Right. Yeah. Roquan Smith is still there at linebacker. He's a dude. Yeah. Eddie Jackson is still there at safety. And and I think even though Eddie hasn't gotten as much run because the Bears haven't been as good, he's as good a ball hawk as there is in the middle of the field. And Jalen Johnson at corner, I think, is a really really good player. He's playing that year, I think, as a as a rookie against us in 2020. He is a really good player. So they've got some some guys in defense. Oh, and lest I forget, Robert Quinn. Uh, who is one of the better edge rushers in the league where the bears struggle have been offensively other than David Montgomery, David Montgomery can run the rock. They ran the rock for over a hundred yards against the Packers. He killed us 80 yard run. Like you said, dead on arrival. It's a perfect way of putting it. Drew just rammed it right there. I mean, the hole was as big as this table and he was like, okay, thank you very much. And then he outran everybody to the end zone. And the one thing that does worry me in some sense, Drew, is the fact that by the time you get to week three in the NFL, every team, the nicks, the bruises, the, the soreness, all that kind of stuff is maybe not completely worn off. Maybe you're not as conscious of wrapping up on tackles. Mm-hmm. In the first couple of weeks, if there has been a knock on the defense, it's maybe been that. There have been some tackles broken by a really good, thick, hard-running, fast-running back, Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams, a compact, thick running back, same thing. Well, David Montgomery's all that. He's even compressed a little bit more at 5'9", and about 2'15", and he's going to make it hurt if you don't wrap him up consistently in this
5: game. Okay. Last week, we both had cream of the crops to watch, and I would say neither of them was significant. I think yours was a much better choice. You had Malik Collins, but you can't really judge what a a, a guy on the interior of the defensive line, because stats, stats yeah. wise, what, how good he was. Mine uh, was Brevin Jordan. It's kind of a quieter game for Brev. Right. Uh, he's kind of banged up, too. Anyways, it was interesting because you could you could say that one of the creams of the crop was Rasheem Green, and it was yeah. his first game as a Texan. Now, might we see the Texans debut this week? of Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver on the other side of the ball. He's been inactive the first two weeks, kind of steadily getting back into this offense, but this could be a piece eventually, whether it's this week, next week, or so on and so forth, that could help this Texans team out, perhaps,
2: right? Yeah, I think so, in that receiving core, for sure. And the receivers have... Have made some plays. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're, they are they made some plays. You know, Nico and and uh, Brandon both had four catches the other day.
5: Yeah, Nico had. Nico led the team in receiving yardage. Yeah, I, I just kind of automatically assumed it was Cooks, right? But he has those two big receptions. And, and there were the the th- I about three catches
2: stand out that were crossers that they were able to catch and run and do something getting up the field. Yeah, that that was big and. Tyler, I think, can be that kind of guy. I don't think he, he's not a he's not a burner like, like Brandon. He's not the size of Nico. He's kind of in between. I keep trying to merge everybody today. <laughs> um, but Tyler's got good hands. He's physical. It's a matter of learning what to do. Yeah. And learning how the Texans do it. And hopefully at some point we'll have an opportunity to see him. If I were to put a spotlight on uh, anybody in this particular game.
5: And I'm not saying he's my necessarily my Not cream your, of the crop i'm just saying could get involved it's setting up green in week two perhaps johnson in week three yeah perhaps in week five we see christian harris the yeah linebacker, perhaps perhaps
2: linebacker. mario addison is a <sighs> guy that i'd really like to see i'd
5: really like to see
2: him out on the edge i mean he's so he's so fun to watch he's got so he's got like a bag of tricks i mean he's
5: led the bills in sacks last year
2: he's like the guy that that rolls up you know to the blacktop basketball court And he rolls out there, and you're like, ah, you know, old man River, here he comes. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) that dude is flipping passes behind his back. He's like, watch this, and he bounces one between his legs. He's got all these different tricks and things, and they're all effective. And everybody's going, yeah, you all think it's old man River. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and he's got two sacks. He's had a tackle for a loss, and he's maybe played 20, 25 plays. So Mari Addison is somebody... I think the defense definitely can use when he gets back. Christian Harris is going to be somebody this defense can use when he gets back. And hopefully that happens uh, sooner than later. But I think defensively, if you want to go to our cream of the crop, mm-hmm. I, I I think it's got to be, I think it's got to be John Grenard and John had the sack last week and there's got to be more. He's got to be able to nah, – now, I'm not saying two, three, four sacks. I mean, that's that's asking for a lot for a guy to go get a couple of sacks. But I want to see John – I want to see him take over a game, quite honestly. And about, he's got about, the ability to do that.
5: How about this? Hit the stat buffet line. You yeah. Know, J.J. Watt used to do that. He'd have oh, four or five tackles. He hit every one. sack and a half, a pass or two deflected, right. a forced fumble. You know, it's like you hit all the stat lines or all the categories in the statistical uh, box score. Let's see Grenard do that. He's capable of doing that.
2: Yes. And here's the other thing, too, and why I also bring up John
5: Grenard. And you can make him a cream of the crop choice every single week he's active.
2: Here's another reason, though, why I'm doing It's okay. because it's Justin Fields. And with Justin, they're going to use him at times like a second running back with Montgomery. It's mm-hmm. almost single wing-esque where they're going to run quarterback power. They're going to run zone read. And John Grenard showed in against the Colts. Yes, it was Wildcat, but he showed there are different techniques in how you can play zone read or power read, some of the things that that Justin and his Bears offense will want to do. Now, it's not all of that, but Grenard has to play a big role in that. Those defensive ends a lot of times end up being unblocked, so Justin Fields reads him. Grenard's got to make his life tough. He's got to make those reads murky and cloudy, Um, There are just different techniques that you can use, and I think John does a good job with all of them. You can run straight to the mesh uh, and try and just destroy the mesh. You can read uh, just like a standard read. You can do a flick technique, fake like where the flick comes from, fake like you're doing this, but then do this. Um, I remember Clowney did that against Bortles back in 2015, and he got Bortles for a big tackle for a loss here. So there are just different things you can do, and I think Grenard – has got to do those things against Justin Fields in particular.
5: Okay, that's your cream of the crop. Right? Yes, I'm going to go with Derek Stingley. Oh, the Broncos targeted Stingley early, often throughout the game. They had their victories with them, but to be fair, Stingley had his victories too. Yes, he did. Right after the touchdown, that was not early on. That mm-hmm. got you know the you know, the foot out of bounds. They go right back to you know targeting Stingley. He breaks that pass up, and right. he's. We've seen already in two games this year, we've seen Stingley do things that we haven't seen a cornerback around here do maybe since Jonathan Joseph's first few years and even then. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. And I think the Bears, hey, like every coaching staff in the NFL, they've got smart guys over there. And they say, okay, there's probably some things we need to watch and not do with Stingley, but I think we can target this guy. Let's take our chances on him. But with Stingley, I think the rate of learning Mm – is probably going to be a little bit more accelerated, oh, yeah. and I think he's going to be ready. And I, 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 I think somebody's going to get their hand bit by Derek Stingley, you know, a little too soon, and that's going to not shut things down. But I think you're going to see a process of well, let's stay away from Stingley for a little bit. You know, yeah. I think that's going to be good for the Texans.
2: I think that's going to happen in due time. I don't know how fast it happens, but it's going to happen in due time. I mean, that dude is an electric,
5: smooth. Do so you think it's going to fluid. take a little bit more time than this week?
2: No, I mean I think he's gonna show tremendous growth. Mm-hmm. But to where I think he ultimately can go, that'll that'll take a while. Because I think he can ultimately just his physical skills, just watching his movement skills, the the understanding he has, his football IQ is is really, really good. So I think he can be off the charts good. Yeah. But to just make Steps. That's what you can't all of a sudden go from, you know, game against Denver and all of a sudden week three, you know, greatest thing since sliced bread. I want to see, see progress, but I know where he can go.
5: I just don't think he's going to see a receiver like Cortland. Sutton no, no, this week, which no, is no, why no, I got a little bit more confidence as well. And that's one of the, no, other you're right. I'm...
2: You're we're not going to see somebody like Sutton. Like I said, I mean, Mooney's a, big... a different type of receiver. So I don't know if they'll use the same sort of thought process in, in tracking. They tracked Sutton with Stingley. I don't know that they would do that with Mooney. Now, would there be times? Maybe,
5: yeah,
2: maybe so. But I don't know that they'll attack it the same way. Um, but they're just things that that you know, the secondary's got to clean up. You know, Jo and Petrie, um, they got to continue to tackle better. I mean, Jalen would would tell you that he's missed a few tackles, and he's another rapid rate of learner, though. He, I think oh, I think that's yeah. going
5: to. I don't think we're going to be talking about oh he, he needs to keep tackling better. And look, in it, a, in a it's month. not
2: like they're tackling you and me. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> it's Jonathan Taylor and Javante Williams, and now it's David Montgomery, but it puts a premium on your tackling technique. And it was something that I asked Lovey during the week when the CBA, the, since 2011, the CBAs that have come out, they've really minimized the contact you can make in practice. Even early in the season, by the time you get to midseason, you're not pads at all in practice. So how do you get better tackling, especially as a rookie? So, from that perspective, that's something they definitely have to take strides in getting better and just remember their technique, but putting themselves in better position too not yeah. flying out of control, just you know throwing their body into somebody and hopefully he goes down they got to be in control to wrap up and bring down and that's something they definitely have to do against David Montgomery
5: all right as we wrap this in the lab podcast up very quickly, your favorite nineteen eighty five Chicago bear
2: um Wilbur Marshall.
5: Really? How come?
2: That's a good choice. Because he was a nasty SOB. Uh-huh. Because he hit like a Mack truck. I loved him more with the Bears than I did with the Oilers.
5: Yeah. Well, he was he, better with the Bears.
2: He right? was just, he was, a, he was a freak of nature. I mean, a freak of nature. And I just thought he was ruthless. I just loved that added piece uh, to the Bears. So, yeah, Wilbur Marshall.
5: Give me the backfield. Jim McMahon. William the Refrigerator Perry at fullback, and Walter Payton. Those are my three favorite Chicago Bears.
2: All right. You, you've not taken maybe the most underappreciated bear, and that's Matt Suey. You took Matt Suey off the field. Well, yeah. You he was juice check on. before juice check.
5: I know, but I understand. On. you got to put the fridge. fridge out there. i got to play the hits, dude. All right, you play,
2: you're right. Play the hits. Nice job.
5: Nice job to you. Always good to talk yeah. with you. I love talking about the, the old Chicago Bears. We could do probably eight podcasts on mm-hmm. the 85 Bears, even though we have no <sighs> real connection to them. None. But – Anyhow, that's neither here nor there, and we will see you and talk with you next time on In the Lab.
2: You better be joining us this time, next time, and the time after that. And Well, set a timer or set a subscription. I don't know. Whatever you do with your podcast, just make sure that you're listening each and every week. Give us a five-star rating. Tell us uh, how great we are, or if not, tell us what we need to work on. I don't know. Hopefully you're nice. And hopefully you enjoy listening, because Drew and I love doing In the Lab for you. All right, we get back. Let's go through the Texans injury report from today. Let's go around the NFL next, right here on Texans All Access.
1: Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access.
2: With available premium features like wireless Apple CarPlay, plus America's Best Warranty, and complimentary maintenance... The Hyundai Sonata and Elantra put you on the road to victory. Right now, get 3.29% APR for 48 months on our most popular models. Visit your local Hyundai dealer, the official car of the Houston Texans, for well-qualified buyers only. Offer ends 10 Call 469-613-0227 for more details. 7 for more details. 7 for more details.
1: We return to Texans Radio.
2: We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and a big fan of Whataburger. Not only because the food is fantastic, but Whataburger, the Texans, and the Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their toughest opponent ever, Houston area hunger. Just donate a dollar the next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 10th, give a buck and you'll be a part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. Now, as we go around the NFL, let's hit one of the most important things of the day, and that is the injury report for the Texans and Bears. You got Malik, four people did not practice today. Malik Collins dealing with a little bit of a knee issue. Jerry Hughes not injury-related. This is rest day Wednesday. Brevin Jordan dealing with an ankle. Isaac Yaddam dealing with a thigh. Limited participants, two linebackers, Blake Cashman and Kamu Grugier-Hill. Blake with a hip issue. Kamu with a neck issue. Full participant. This one was interesting when I saw this. Davis Mills, right thumb. Now, I tried to think back, and you, look, you never know. When you're a quarterback in the NFL, you're a pocket quarterback like Davis is. You've got all kinds of chaos going on, and there's no telling – when you follow through, you hit your thumb on a shoulder pad, on, a, on the back of a guy, on a helmet, uh, another hand. Either way, full participant. Watch him throw in practice today, and he looked good. He looked fine. So, something to watch, obviously. Uh, but Davis Mills, full participant, dealing with a right thumb issue. The Bears had four players, one you've heard of before, that did not participate. The defensive back, Dane Cruikshank. If you remember him from the Titans a few years ago with that fake punt, Thing uh, that day in 2018, just whatever. Uh, tight end Ryan Griffin, you've heard of Ryan? He's dealing with Achilles. He did not participate. valus Jones Jr., the rookie wide receiver, dealing with a hamstring issue, and oh boy, Roquan Smith with a hip issue did not participate. Now, you, if you've read my know your foe, you know I think very, very highly of one Roquan Smith. That guy is an absolute dude. If he is banged up in any way, shape, or form, that is huge for the Texans. Absolutely massive for the Texans if Roquan is banged up in any way, shape, or form. Now, he started and played against the Packers and was, well, his typical uh, badass self. He ended up with 11 tackles on the night. So, yeah, he's not, did not participate. They deal with that hip, so... Boy, that's one to keep an eye on. He's the biggest name of that list, I would imagine. But if the Bears were without Roquan Smith, man, he is the heart, soul, engine. He's everything. That would be three weeks in a row where the Texans would have missed arguably the best player on the other side of the football. Shaquille Leonard in week one. Last week, it was Justin Simmons. Texans really didn't take advantage of Simmons not being there. Um, And this would be Roquan Smith. Now, we'll keep an eye on it. It's Wednesday. Jerry Hughes has a rest day on Wednesday. Turns out on Sunday he's fine. Maybe Roquan is the same way, but he's dealing with a hip issue. There is your injury report for the day. Now, Mark and I were talking about the Amazon uh, the Amazon uh, package, if you will, and how many sign-ups they had during the game. And this week, it'll be Pittsburgh v. Cleveland. Nick Chubb spoke today, and he said something, and I've been waiting for him to say this. He spoke today about that, and he said, considering what I've done in the past, and I know what he's referring to. He's referring to the game against the Texans. There's nobody you can put that loss on more than me. Now, the Browns' defense, in his defense, something that Mark and I really didn't talk about, the Browns' defense gave up a 60-yard bomb to Corey Davis. Then the special teams couldn't recover an outside kick. And then the defense gave up about a four-play drive, I think it was, and Flacco was like, zip, 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 touchdown, and that was it. So, yeah, I was harsh on Nick earlier, but it's just all about situ- situational awareness. And I know people are like, well, I need a touchdown. And it's really hard. It's hard for players. I admit, it. last year, when the Texans played the Jaguars, Brandon Cooks popped through on that screen. We just needed a first down. Brandon took it to the house. It wasn't probably the right thing to do. And the Texans came out of there with a two-touchdown win. So, in the end, okay. But I would like to see from a situational awareness side, Brandon, go down on that one. The very next week against the Chargers, Nico Collins, same thing. He didn't need to score. Davis, they didn't need to score. But Davis knew there was a pass tag. He saw it open. He threw it. Figured put the dagger in him. But now you give the ball back to the Chargers. It's the only way that team can win. If you give them the ball back, they've got a shot. They've got a shot. Well, the Jets-Browns hopefully at that point taught us all a lesson in situational uh awareness but it's Steelers and it's Browns for tomorrow night and one Jadavion Clowney will be out of that game he is out he is the only uh he's the only player I believe that's out on either side that's not an IR TJ Watt's gonna be out of that game um but Clowney will be out of that one Mike Evans suspension upheld today he had he had um appealed the suspension of the one game when he went after Marshawn Lattimore, and those two do not like each other. You talk about bad blood. Holy smokes, those two don't like each other. Somebody else who got a little talking to from the league was Bruce Arians. And if you're like, oh, yeah, Cardinals coach, no, no, no. Not Cardinals coach, not Bucks coach. He is a consultant advisor to the front office, and he was down on the sideline. And he was squawking at Marshawn Lattimore. And when he was squawking at Marshawn Lattimore, then Tom Brady jumped in. Now Lattimore is beefing with Brady. Then in comes Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette gets shoved. Marshawn Lattimore starts to push Tom Brady. And in comes Mike Evans. And the brouhaha is on. Bruce Arians was part of that. Well, he got a little talking to. He needs to go relax. Speaking of relax, today's Wednesday, right? That means Tom Brady. Is getting a rest day every single Wednesday. Took a long time. The guy's 45. This will be listed as a rest day. Like Jerry Hughes, Tom Brady, over the rest of the season, will have Wednesday off. Wednesdays off. At times over the past couple of seasons, apparently Brady has taken off some Thursdays during the season. But not every one. So Blaine Gabbert will be taking the reps. And Tom Brady will be there to take some uh, mental reps, if you will. I guess he needs them at this point. I don't know. I don't think he does. But he'll be there nonetheless. But Tom Brady, not going to practice on Wednesday. That's how good a guy is. That's a story when he's resting on Wednesdays. That's crazy. Man, a big thanks to a lot of people on this show. Drew Doherty, Jeff Joniak, Mark Vandermeer, Rasheem Green, DP Sidhu, Nick Casario, all of you for listening. Appreciate you guys so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.
1: This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.
2: Ashley is proud to
0: call Houston home. We believe your personal style makes your house a home. Discover incredible styles, selection, and quality at a price to fit any budget. Ashley has just the looks and options you need. Explore totally different styles and trends all in one place. Finding the perfect furniture and home decor makes it easy for you to create a home you love to live in. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Ashley, proud partner of the Houston Texans.